Welcome to the Anti-Genocide Coffee Break, a multinational podcast. I am your host, Alisa von jürgen Forgi, and I am here again with my two co-hosts, Irene Victoria Massimino and Hoshman Ismael. We are joined today by Dr. Gorgon Petrosian, LLM from Heidelberg, a senior researcher at the Frederick Alexander University in Erlangen, Germany, and head of its International Criminal Law Research Group. Welcome, Dr. Petrosian. Welcome, Dr. Petrosian. Hello, yeah, everyone. Welcome to our show. Yeah. It's a nice real honor. Today, yeah. yeah, it's a real honor to have you here with us today to discuss yeah. in particular a new case against Azerbaijan that will be heard in German courts related to war crimes and crimes against humanity, and to learn more about the German-Armenian Lawyers Association that has brought this case to the courts. So we are quite excited about um, this podcast today. Before we get into the interview, however, uh, we have have a few notes of commemoration. I would like to um, remember the lives lost in the March 16th, 2021 massacre in the U.S. state of Georgia that was committed against um, Asian Americans and particularly against Asian American women. It is the most recent in a series of horrifying hate crimes committed against Asians that have been on the increase since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. Irena, I think you have some notes of commemoration too. Yes, thank you, Elisa. Thank you again, Gurgen, for being here. And thank you, Hoshman, again, for being our co-host as always. I have a couple of dates that I would like to mention before before anything else. Uh, One is 24th March is the Day of Remembrance for Truth and Justice, or Día Nacional de la Memoria por la Verdad y la Justicia, and it commemorates the victims of the last uh, civic military dictatorship that ran Argentina from 1976 to 1983. And the other important date uh, that we also have in this month of March um, is the 25th of March, uh, which is the Bengali Genocide Remembrance Day, On the 25th of March of 1971, the Pakistani army uh, ran Operation Searchlight in order to eliminate all dissidents and all of the political and military opposition of Bangladesh, which later on led to the Liberation War of 1971, ending in December of that same year. So those two dates are very important, and we'll continue with our commemoration, of course, in the future podcast, as is the way of of also preventing future genocides. Um, So I'd like to introduce now, I'm very happy to have Dr. Gurgen here. Um, uh, Thank you very much, Gurgen. We have to thank you for accepting this invitation. You're actually our first uh, guest on the show. Uh, I met Gurgen through a common friend and a colleague of ours in Argentina. In the midst of the conflict, uh, I think it was around October of November of 2020, uh, the conflict that occurred uh, last year after the Azerbaijan attacks on Nagorno-Karabakh or Azzah. So I'll introduce briefly Dr. Gurgen here. Um, he's an LLM, a Master of Laws. He's a senior researcher and head of the Frederick Alexander University, Erlangen-Nuremberg, I hope I'm pronouncing this well, uh, of the International Criminal Law Research Group. He teaches international criminal law in the MA program. His own research interests focus on international criminal law, international law, 
international human rights law, and international criminal procedural law. From 2016 to 2019, he was the co-organizer of the international competition Nuremberg Mood Court. Before joining the Frederick Alexander University in 2016, Gurgen was a research fellow at the International Nuremberg Principals Academy with a focus on sexual violence in armed conflict. He has working experience in the state as well as the non-state sector. Gurgen also serves as chairman of the German-Armenian Lawyers Association. So again, Gurgen, thank you. Yeah, that thank would be great having much. him today. Thank you very much for being here. Yes, thank yes. you. Well, we have a set of questions, actually, that, uh, I mean, I'm sure during our conversation and our interview, we'll have more questions to ask you. But I would like to start by asking you if you could please explain a bit of the historical background of the conflict and of this particular piece of land, the Republic of Arsak, which is actually searching for independence and is being contested between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Uh, Gurgen, please. First of all, thank you very much for inviting me and having me with you. It's, uh, I'm, I'm much honored to be with you and to discuss this, uh, um, this topic with you. Um, coming back uh, to the to the uh, to the question to the historical part to the historical question. Well, yes, this is a very um, dramatic situation. This is a, where uh, this is um, the, the the whole conflict conflict relates to um, to the region um, um, Nagorno Karabakh, um, which was uh, um, historically um, uh, it was a part of uh, historical Armenia, and um, after the Soviet uh, during the Soviet uh, um, rule, um, the, this part was given to the to the uh, to the uh, Azerbaijani Soviet Republic. And uh, be, be, without asking uh, the people living in in, uh, in that region if they want to be a part of Armenia or if they want to be part of Azerbaijan, and um, during during the whole Soviet time, the people there living uh, they were claiming to be to make an administrative change um, between um, two countries, which was pretty common um, in that um, in that time. Um, but uh, all these kind of claims were unsuccessful, and um, in the 80s, um, some demonstrations already started. The intellectuals uh, were trying to make to raise awareness that um, there were uh, there were some discriminations uh, against Armenians living in that area. So they wanted to make uh, to make that administrative change. So the part uh, Nagorno-Karabakh mm -hmm. uh, autonomous oblast could be. Um, given um, back to the uh, to the Armenian uh, Soviet Republic, um, and um, after these demonstrations led, of course, to a massive uh, massive violence uh, from the Azerbaijani side. They wanted already to um, to make uh, reprisals against uh, against the Armenians living in that area, and that led um, to the. Um, um, to the crash of the Soviet uh, Soviet Union, of course, not that was not the main factor which led to the um, uh, to the uh, destruction of the uh, Soviet uh, Soviet rule. But uh, anyway, that was one of the factors. Um, then um, the Armenian, uh, the Armenian, the all um, republic, Soviet republics uh, declared their independence. Um, uh, including uh, also the Nagorno-Karabakh uh, Autonomous Oblast, 
uh, that region or that oblast also claimed also for, for its independence from uh, Soviet uh, Union. Uh, Union. It was pretty uh, interesting from the from the legal perspective because um, so the constitution, Soviet constitution, it uh, it gave uh, also a chance for the. Uh, not for not only for the republics but also for the oblast to be independent uh, um, after um, after the decision that the Soviet Union will uh, will collapse. Um, so they had also another um, another uh, law uh, for the uh, secession uh, and um, Nagorno Karabakh oblast. They used that they applied that 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 um, law and gained their own independence. But of course, uh, this was also during, um, the war already started um, between uh, between Nagorno, Republic of uh, Nagorno-Karabakh and um, Republic of Azerbaijan. So this is also very, very uh, important moment to fix, uh, which is not always mentioned in the mass media, that the war is not between Armenia and Azerbaijan, the war is between the Republic uh, of Nagorno-Karabakh, which is now changed its name to Republic of Artsakh, um, and Republic of Azerbaijan. So it is not, uh, um, mm-hmm. well, in, in, the pers- in, in that sense, international conflict. It is mostly non-international conflict which which became an international conflict between the subjects uh, mm. uh, Nagorno-Karabakh and uh, and mm. Azerbaijan and uh, there were of course uh, some tensions after after the uh, ceasefire from 1994 uh, from Bishkek um, the parties this this ceasefire agreement was signed by three parties uh, from Nagorno-Karabakh um, Republic uh, from Azerbaijan and uh, from Republic of Armenia. So Armenia got uh, a position of the um, of the security uh, for Republic um, uh, of uh, Nagorno-Karabakh. Um, and uh, well, in order not to keep it very long, um, in 2016 uh, another uh, four days were erupted. Um, um, and it was stopped afterwards uh, for some uh, so for some reasons. And uh, yeah, for in in 2020 last year, um, during during the summer there were still some tensions, uh, skirmishes between um, Republic of Armenia and Azerbaijan. And at the end, in October, uh, well, in, in September, uh, late September, a war sti- started, which is called now the Second War, or on on uh, for um, Nagorno-Karabakh. Well, and we know how it ended in seven, on 9th November, an agreement, well, not an agreement, but um, a declaration was signed uh, by the parties, um, which, uh, which um, factually ended the hostilities um, um, at that moment. And I think we will discuss uh, also from, the, from other legal perspectives some very important points in, uh, in, in, in relation to that declaration. Yeah, thank certainly, uh, Gurgen. Thank you. I think I have a brief question. I don't know if you, if you guys, Eli or Hoshman, have any. But one question, just to make clear, if our audience is not uh, fully aware of the situation, um, the what is the identity of the population of Nagorno-Karabakh, which was the Soviet name, right? That was the Soviet name given to Artsakh. And what is the identity of the population mainly in in the region, in that area, that territory? Uh, well, there are Armenians living in in that uh, in that uh, in that region, um, and f- uh, when we look into the proportions, 
um, before, during the time, during uh, during the Soviet time. I don't really remember exact number, but it was like 80% Armenians and 20% um, of Azerbaijanis mm -hmm. living in that area. But mostly it was populated by Armenians. Yes, yes. Um, Elisa Hoshman, do you guys want to add any particular questions of the historical context? Uh, no, I think no, not at this moment. That was really wonderful. It was very comprehensive, very yeah, helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, we do know that there is no justice yet for any of the conflicts of for the 1994 and 2016, right? There's no, no justice being done on those cases. No. No, unfortunately not. Um, we have to look also from the from from very different angle. At, um, during the first war, there was no applicable law for the punishment of the war criminals from uh, of, of 1994 or during the of the first war um, so for example the rome statute um, it came in force after 2001 so it doesn't have any retroaction and uh, the parties uh, are not members to the rome statute um, of course, there is uh, the the the, on, the only applicable law is the Geneva Conventions and the breaches, the serious uh, the, uh, the 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 breaches uh, of uh, Geneva Conventions. But um, this is also uh, this is this is given to the to the state parties. Um, so I don't think that Azerbaijan is able um, to 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 punish uh, his own uh, war criminals. Um, well, that uh, mm -hmm. that led to, and and uh, of course we know also we have an um, historical or um, a, a, an argument, or not not an argument, uh, the practice uh, from from Hungary uh, when uh, um, 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 I forgot his name. Um, in Hungary, uh, the Azerbaijani officer was participating mm -hmm. in a, with an Armenian officer was participating in UN. Um, um, military uh, military uh, workshop and during that time he um, asked uh, an Armenian um, uh, participant um, afterwards he was convicted in Hungary but as soon as he was extradited to to Azerbaijan he was released um, so um, actually killings are glorified in Azerbaijan in that sense mm -hmm. so there are no hope that the war criminal or a criminal in a sense uh, hate criminal would be will be punished in locally in the you future. mean yes mm -hmm. yes locally yes, tried yes, mm -hmm. locally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah it, Please, it, this is a, actually a question about this history since um since we're t talking about this question of war crimes, um, it, it, would you have the the moment to speak a little bit about the types of war crimes that were committed during the first war, um, and also prior to it, some of the massacres that were created uh, that were committed against Armenians in particular, um, as well as the sort of um, I've been doing a little bit of reading about education in Azerbaijan um, and and how the educational system is really fraught with anti-Armenianism, which I think we're now seeing fulfilled, right, in some of the behavior of soldiers. So I'm just wondering if you would give us a little bit of background about, um, about those things. So there is a large-scale hatred against uh, Armenians um, already um, starting from the from the first war. Mm -hmm. um, as you may remember, there were uh, massacres of Armenians in Azerbaijani cities uh, like uh, Sumgait, uh, Maragha, 
um, uh, Kirovabad, um, Ganja of, of uh, today's today's Ganja city. So the Armenian community living in Azerbaijan was always uh, um, discriminated and, and a victim of um, of um, cruel attacks. Um, which can be qualified as a crimes against humanity because there was also now some kind of policy towards Armenians. Um, mm -hmm. But as said, mm -hmm. uh, crimes against humanity at that time was not uh, was not um, um, uh, regulated and legalized. So it is pretty difficult now to speak from the from the legal perspective um, in towards that situations. But ca calling that as a crimes against humanity is is pretty clear. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Kurgan, I've, I've been reading recently that Azerbaijanis are erasing um, inscriptions in different churches, uh, Armenian churches in, in the territory of Artsakh. So I wanted to ask you about that, the destruction of the cultural identity, but also in particular, what is the situation that we, we hardly hear actually of the war prisoners and missing youth as well? We've heard, and, and Hoshman in particular pointed this out to, to our group, the Iraq project, that uh, there's youth, Armenian youth actually, 19-year-old, uh, 18-year-old, 20-year-old missing, uh, that went to the war but is now missing and, and there's, there's no um, knowledge of their whereabouts. Uh, well, yeah, prisoners of war situation is a very tricky, tricky topic. And very sensitive topic because this uh, issue is also used for the diplomatic and political reasons in order to make and pressure or to put pressure on the Armenian government um, and also on the diplomacy. Um, the, the Armenian side have more than 200, uh, so they have they had they have um, almost um, evidence on 200 cases that um, 200 uh, more than 200. People, people are kept. Um, um, persons are kept uh, in the captivity in uh, in uh, in Azerbaijan. Why I say persons? Because there are also uh, prisoners of war and civilians. Um, they, I think today um, I, um, there was a decision uh, by the European Court of Human Rights. Um, they notified the ministers uh, of, of uh, European Council. Um, about the situation, about the interim measures, and mm. um, that the Azerbaijan doesn't uh, really rely on um, or comply with the with the deadlines, so they mm. don't give uh, any information about the prisoners of war. Um, but uh, uh, at this moment, it is also important to know that uh, whenever an, a case uh, uh, is brought to the European Court of Human Rights. Um, for example, um, they, they are not really uh, bound, uh, legally they are bound, but politically they don't care about about the decisions of the European Court of Human Rights because as said as soon as a case is brought uh, to the European Court of Human Rights, um, they, uh, they killed, for example, um, two months ago, uh, one of the uh, prisoners of war or civilian, I think it was, he was a civilian, and um, some Suddenly they said, "Oh, there is a dead body, so you can come and collect the dead body." Mm. Um, so there, there is a there is a practice of also killing the killing uh, civil uh, civilians and prisoners of war uh, in sense of, well, you don't have to push uh, uh, legally on us because we don't care um, um, what you what you um, initiate uh, on the international level. But this is, of course, doesn't mean that uh, the Armenian government doesn't have to use this kind of methods in order to put mm -hmm. pressure on Azerbaijan. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, as I said, uh, the situation um, of prisoners of war is very sensitive because, um, for example, what, what they call, um, um, they are, they, there are numbers uh, of um, uh, prisoners of war um, captured after the, um, after the hostilities. Which uh, which they call um, as an anti-terror action against uh, against uh, soldiers. Mm -hmm. This is very very um, from from the legal perspective. It is uh, from leg from legally it is pretty interesting how they interpret that because as soon as the hostilities are over, it doesn't mean that armed conflict is over and the uh, Geneva Conventions may not apply on that conflict. Every single Skyrim mission may uh, start the armed conflict again. So this is this is a, a established a practice and they are going against that established practice, calling that they are uh, terrorists so they can um, they can um, use uh, their own criminal uh, code against against that uh, against that people. But this is uh, what 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 is uh, what is behind of that that they are trying to push um, or put put on pressure put pressure on the people living in Artsakh in Ar in Armenia. In a sense, if you go to Artsakh to to serve in the army, so be aware that we can make a ter anti terror action and uh, capture your your soldiers and not and not to make a repatriation so this is uh, this is uh, what i call as a hostage taking um, which is also war crime and everyone um, everyone who um, supports um, um, this uh, um, well from the from Azerbaijani side everyone who supports that this is a terrorist anti terror action I would call this is a, a hostage taking, and hostage taking mm -hmm. means a war crime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very important. Yes, very. I, I, remember, I remember. Sorry, sorry for interrupting. I, mm. I always bring an example from from Nuremberg trials. Mm. Um, uh, in the Nuremberg trials and, mm -hmm. uh, and the the subsequent uh, Nuremberg trials, there was a case against the German Nazis uh, who were uh, who captured who who always captured the Albanian Italian. Um, um, and Yugoslav um, soldiers, and they were uh, denying their status of being a combatant, of being a soldier. Oh. They were calling them as a communists, as bandits. Uh, mm -hmm. So they they didn't give them a status of the prisoners of war, which may, makes them protected. And calling them as a bandit, you can you can uh, punish them in the sense in the criminal sense from the criminal uh, perspective sense. Um, and this is this is the practice what they use. Uh, calling them as a terrorists, um, and if as soon as you can call a terrorist, so you can punish uh, from uh, um, from the criminal law perspective, wow. and the terrorism is not uh, defined in the world, so there is no convention in defining the terrorist. Mm. Um, so every state uh, may uh, make his own uh, definition on terrorism. That's terrifying. Yeah, that's really terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and have have any of these procedures, these legal procedures started against Armenians who have been taken hostage and called terrorists? Mm -hmm. uh, I think um, eight or ten um, of that captured group um, mm -hmm. is already repatriated. Mm. Um, so they were 64. Um, now they are uh, almost 50, 56. But, uh, but I, I don't know the reasons why they are repatriated. These are kept um, yeah, not, not publicly. 
Um, but um, they started, they initiated some cases against Armenians uh, because because of that. So the prosecutor, I don't know in, at which stage mm. this is at this moment, but publicly they are always calling the foreign minister, calls that the president of Republic Azerbaijan called that. Uh, recently also that they are they don't have any prisoners of war they have only uh, oh this, uh, the uh, yeah terrorists wow Terrible. and what is the punishment for terrorism in azerbaijan so what are these poor people facing um I'm. I may not. No, I. I don't. I. I cannot remember now exact the sentence. Mm -hmm. uh, sentencing for terrorism, but it is um, between twenty, thirty years wow. of imprisonment. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. Uh, that, yeah. I. Uh, sorry for interrupting, but no, uh, the issue. Yeah. The. The. The thing is. Um, how about Armenia? Don't they have like any? Uh, haven't they captured uh, any of the Azerbaijani? Um, uh, military servicemen so they can exchange them or mm -hmm. uh, I think as far as I heard about it I mean Azerbaijan used uh, foreign fighters I mean some jihadists I mean they they and then they paid them as uh, well like a private army um, is there like any uh, kind of um, I'm not sure I mean any, any kind of uh, not exchange because I, I saw that the um, Armenian army have uh, they, they have captured many of these uh, foreign fighters and uh, so in some ways is there not any diplomatic negotiation or because what what I will uh, I can find it is they have used terrorists so in order to clear up their names they can they use the terrorist name to against the Armenians so do you have any idea how, how this is dealt with? Uh, well, one of the main um, uh, numbers of the declaration was an exchange uh, of prisoners of war and all captives by, by, from both sides. Um, this happened um, in, um, in December 14th. 14th December, an exchange happened. Um, I might I might be wrong in the numbers, but uh, almost it, it was like 14 people from Armenian side were given back to Azerbaijani, and uh, 46 uh, or some more were given back from Azerbaijani to uh, to Armenia, and so that was the first um, uh, official exchange. Um, afterwards, they uh, there were also some exchanges. Um, I think in January, one person from uh, from the Armenian side was given back to Azerbaijan, and another um, ten or fifteen from Azerbaijan to to Armenia. But it was like a, in a in a process, yeah, from from starting from the December to um, to February to February. Um, but uh, uh, coming back to the question of the mercenaries, mercenaries are not protected by the Geneva Convention. So everyone uh, who is caught during the hostilities or armed conflict as a mercenary, um, he doesn't, um, he, do is, he is not protected by the Geneva Convention. He doesn't have the right to be repatriated. But um, and and the Convention on the use uh, on the use uh, and um, um, use of of mercenaries. Um, it's also foresee um, if I'm if I'm not wrong also the punishment um, um, for for the mercenaries. So um, they are actually out of negotiations. Oh, 
Mm. They, they are, they, they are, they are not even even the Azerbaijani. They put an interim measure against Armenia in regard to the mercenaries. But as soon it was, as it was um, uh, documented that they are not uh, part of the Azerbaijani uh, forces, uh, they were not repatriated, and they uphold mm-hmm. the, the court uphold the decision in that in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the issue of mercenaries is also very, very tricky, um, and it uh, creates the dimensions of this conflict. This is not an, uh, this was also not a conflict between uh, Armenians and Azerbaijanis. This was even more than that conflict yeah. because um, the involvement of mercenaries, the involvement of Turkey, the involvement of some part political from political side, also Russia, makes the conflict much more dimensional, um, and you can really see the line how it is connected to the Syrian conflict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I wanted to add, uh, Gorgon, the history of mercenaries is very interesting. You know, the Foreign Legion of France always sent mercenaries abroad for that reason and are being used in many places for the same the reasons you were explaining. I was just heading to Turkey. I was just going to ask you your opinion about this because, of course, uh, we know the expressions Erdogan had about uh, continuing what was done, you know, after the Armenian genocide and what wasn't finished, right? Something I can't quote him exactly, but he did say publicly. And of course, we cannot link it uh, to him uh, saying about a new Armenian genocide. But, you know, we know of the involvement. Could you tell us a bit more of what you know about this? And, and what do you know of the backing up of, of Turkey, of the mercenaries that actually went into the conflict this time? Hmm. Well, I will, I will, um, I will um, plead firstly from the very psychological perspective. Um, it is the same if one day Israel is attacked by Germany. And mm. this mm. is what, what Armenians felt um, as soon as the war started. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, being denied in genocide... Mm-hmm. Uh, for 100 years and uh, starting a war against Armenians, it is it is more than a war for Armenians. It is again a fear to be um, to be destroyed, to be to be executed, um, not um, as a uh, not as a fighter, but as an Armenian. So mm-hmm. I will come I will come to that as soon as we speak about what kind of crimes happened um, during mm-hmm. the second war. Um, but the involvement of Turkey means exactly that they have still, they are still ambitious about the region, and they are still ambitious yes. that mm-hmm. Armenians um, are in that region, very present. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Oh, I remember. I, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you no, quoted, please go uh, ahead. His, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you, you quoted his uh, his speech uh, before the before his party uh, meeting. Um, oh, and yes, this is this is very sad that um, a political leader leader in 21st century may uh, may use this kind of rhetoric and use also the very symbolic dates uh, for attacking Armenians um, and backing Azerbaijani in that um, in that attack. This mm-hmm. is this is psychologically, uh, mentally, this is um, very sad situation. Mm-hmm. Well, and and if I still if I still may uh, if I still may um, add to that, um, last uh, last year, um, as soon as the Turkey annexed the northern part of Syria and uh, the the Kurdish people were left alone, I felt so bad that the whole Europe, the whole the world, whole world was silent 
mm-hmm. that uh, that the Kurdish people um, in northern northern Syria were 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 left again alone, and this is mm-hmm. a betrayal which mm-hmm. happened, and um, it had his consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Uh, Gurgen, now that you you mention your personal um, perspective, of course, of the conflict and of probably what all Armenians are feeling at the moment, whether in Armenia or in the diaspora. Um, Would you tell us a little bit more about how you started this case in Germany and how you started actually this movement of people? Uh, Because, of course, for everything that is negative, then we have a group of people like you that are willing to help and willing to bring some justice and light into this conflict. So uh, will you do that, please? Yeah, uh, maybe I will start um, with a small remark. We, mm-hmm. uh, we, I, I will not say that we start a case. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing which we did, uh, we uh, applied, we submitted, or we filed um, to the general uh, federal prosecutor in Germany about the crimes happened there. But we don't have at this moment any case uh, uh, mm. pending at the court. Um, but I hope that in near future there will be a case. Um, this is Sorry, but it has been fact... accepted, right, by the the prosecutor. The prosecutor accepted the ca- the the claim. They or... said that uh, the, the this is this is not an acceptance or a confirmation. This is about um, this is similar to to what the ICC does. Uh, they have some kind of pre- preliminary examination. So what they do, they examine. Uh, all files and they are looking into that situation. What is going on? Of course, mm-hmm. it is in uh, in uh, in um, uh, in uh, in the decision of the prosecutor to start or not to start the case um, and whatever the victim's part uh, victim's part um, or representation will do this is um, their their decision to to start but um, i have some uh, i have some doubts in the in the sense of of politics uh, well let's starting from the beginning um, why we applied or why we think that this is uh, very important because Germany has a very huge experience already on the universal jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2000, since 2015, there is a massive uh, um, um, uh, uh, refugees coming from Syria, and within the refugees, there are also lots of uh, war criminals uh, who participated in different executions and different crimes. And now they are applying here for the refugee asylum and refugee status. And the Germany, um, they declare that they this cannot be a safe haven a safe haven for for the war criminals so independent mm-hmm. of the fact where the crimes were committed and who the crime committed um, they have to be um, 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 tried mm-hmm. here in Germany according to the old standards um, so since 2015 uh, there is a there are a lot of cases and already established case law on different matters even more progressive and more mm-hmm. uh, development even, that's even fantastic more, uh, Mm-hmm. And I would even say that even um, they, they went so far um, in establishing a new practices uh, of the war crimes. For example, a mutilation uh, is considered um, um, as a war crime and the violation is of post-mortem, uh, post-mortem rights, rights uh, wow. of, the, of the person. Mm-hmm. Um, so every, every single picture made or, or a selfie, uh, made with a dead body is a war crime according mm-hmm. to German wow, case law and this is also what what we think um, that this might be used in in Germany because um, um, using these um, photos of making selfies with dead bodies or 
um, video, uh, videoing uh, with uh, uh, with the dead bodies is massively used in Azerbaijan in mm -hmm. order to mm -hmm. glorify own acts and to make and to put um, the civilian population in fear, so mm -hmm. they can be. Um, they 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 can um, so they th this will the same will happen to them if they reach them. So this is I will I will come back to that because mm -hmm. I, I I think that this is uh, also some part uh, of um, crimes against humanity mm -hmm. uh, by a deportation or forced uh, forced um, 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 displacement. Uh, forced forced displacement. For displacement. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, so. Um, this, and coming back to the German German courts, I'm sure that using that uh, universal universal jurisdiction, Germany should use its all power um, to also not only to have the files which we already applied to them, but also to use for the investigations and looking for the possibilities um, of getting them here uh, to trial. Of course, many of them will be mobilized one day of those war criminals and will, of course, travel around the world. So our aim to for, to track um, them and to bring them before the court. And again, um, as soon as they're, of course, they, they might be, of course, in a, um, in a claim for an extradition to Azerbaijan. Mm -hmm. But as soon as we have the, the practice of um, of, uh, of not punishing and releasing war, uh, criminals, um, this extradition is actually um, closed in, the, in, that, in that sense, so those people may not be extradited. Um, what mm -hmm. Azerbaijani are trying to, um, to do, um, they want to make a false uh, or uh, sinned uh, trials against so-called uh, war criminals in order to declare the world that they are um, tracing or they are trying to punish uh, war criminals and vandals. Oh. But uh, of course, these cases um, are not uh, not true. They have just they, they have declared three or four these kind of cases. I don't know what the fate of of the trials, but uh, this is an obvious um, um, ob obvious scenario in order to avoid the trials outside. But as I said, uh, in, for example, um, the Article 17 of the Rome Statute of the Rome Statute uh, 19 uh, of the Rome Statute. Um, even those kind of uh, scenes trials may not be uh, um, may not be an argument to avoid the trial uh, mm. elsewhere. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. So we have what we applied. Yeah. Sorry, what we what we applied. We applied for the torture. We have the cases of torture. We have cases of humiliation, mutilation, uh, killing, willful killing uh, of uh, of wounded uh, of wounded uh, persons. Uh, we have cases on execution, uh, which is maybe the best. Uh, well, in in the sense, in in the in the in the, in the best uh, picture, what exactly the crime, hate crime against Armenian is. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have seen that um, that footage uh, of of executing two Armenian civilians in, yes, in one Armenian yeah, city, and the Bellingcat uh, made uh, already very uh, very important ex mm -hmm. uh, ties of of that uh, of that footage but in order going deep into into that footage um two civilians were were, were kidnapped uh, well no capt, uh, captured uh, and they were later executed having uh, flags armenian uh, artsakh artsakh flags on their mm -hmm. neck so it it means um, that those people were not uh, executed 
for being an enemy, but they yeah. were executed for being an Armenian. And mm -hmm. that even even in that sense, this the execution is a punishment for mm -hmm. being an Armenian. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, this is kind of no mercy, even if they are captured, there will be no mercy uh, also for the others. So not that guys uh, or that uh, persons who were executed were, um, were, the, uh, were, were the victims, but also the whole Armenian yeah. living in that area was uh, was uh, was uh, um, a direct offer a direct uh, victim of, of that execution besides of that it was recorded by the camera um, which was also used in a sense mm -hmm. to terrorize mm -hmm. uh, the community and to to force them to flee from the areas because we're coming and coming to execute you by one by one and this is this is the picture of all crimes which which is happening, uh, which was happening um, in Artsakh during that time. So this is one of core crimes. Um, besides of that, we have of course usage usage of uh, of banned weapons. Uh, uh, we have the destruction of the uh, of, of of the church in in the uh, in the city Shushi, um, and. Um, we have already in the case law established on the destruction of the historical religious monuments mm -hmm. and i seen at the icc mm -hmm. al mahdi al mahdi mm -hmm. was uh, was uh, um, sentenced uh, uh, for destroying the uh, religious monuments and uh, religion religion monuments in mali in Tim in timbuktu so uh, the international community should be aware um, that there are there are also an examples in that conflict. So those people who were involved in the destruction of the church should be brought against to the um, to the um, 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 to the court wherever they wherever it's independent where it might be Germany, it might be Poland, it might be in Argentina. Mm -hmm. So everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah, just uh, from what you were saying, I, yeah, sorry, I, I, I saw so many uh, kind of what was what's hap what was happening in uh, that war between the two sides uh, is exactly mirroring what's happened uh, when Turkey with uh, the support or the mercenaries or the groups non-state actors attacked Afrin and uh, some other parts of uh, north of Syria because. Uh, I can see that you say like abandoned weapons and the same kind of weapons were was used and um, uh, it's like um, a kind of uh, phosphorus mm. um, kind of uh, chemical weapon which make people like burned and the, um, so we had uh, we had some children who were transferred to France and then they were treated there and um, so yes and uh, also I uh, the the type of a systematic perpetration of certain crimes like slaughtering and uh, you know killing people and taking selfies this is all is you know like the kind of very similar to what was happening in uh, in in north in the north of syria um mm -hmm. so and the, the crimes it wasn't like uh, the crimes was only um, carried out and uh, per, uh, committed against uh, those who participated in the war or the fight but also against uh, the civilians because so many women were kidnapped and then they were raped and still the, these type of crimes is still ongoing and, and to an extent that it was um, the, the, the UN 
Um, the, according to the UN's uh, report, uh, that, uh, there has been a war crime and ethnic cleansing in, in Afrin, especially. So I, I think um, if, if we see that there is the same mentality behind uh, these crimes um, ha uh, occurred in the north of Syria and Artsakh, uh, when uh, and uh, it, it is very similar. And uh, I, I, in one of the videos, I think even I shared with my colleagues, and I saw that. A person who carried out too many crimes in the north of uh, Syria, he was killed uh, when he was sent to um, Artsakh, uh, and he uh, and there is a there is another one, uh, another person who was um, interviewed by uh, the Armenian army when he was captured, and exactly is telling that you know what how much he was paid and what he was uh, told to. Mm -hmm. Uh, to do and how much he was getting paid if he does like more crimes and then you know the, the crimes in a way that is completely prohibited in every way um so yes um it's um but um, i mean um, in some ways i'm just you know in some ways it's not about only perpetration it's about complicity too so probably like um i think in some ways it will be uh in some kind more easier to Follow the perpetrators who complicit in that, um, you know, transferring all these uh, jihadists and then around and then carrying, uh, committing these crimes. And who did that? I mean, how, which, what kind of flight did they take and where did they go? Which sky of which country they use in order to take these people um, from there to, you know, to, 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 to these wars? So yeah. I, I was wondering, like, uh, what, what do you think about complicity in, in, in this? you know, in this type of uh, wars? Well, the complicity is a very important topic in the sense that we tried also to look in um, during the war, the possibilities of bringing cases um, of, of those who are not directly involved in the conflict. But uh, we have to keep in mind that, for example, the convention of, of use of, uh, of, of mercenaries, uh, the Azerbaijan is not party to that, to that convention, so they are actually allowed um, to, to use uh, foreign, uh, foreign forces wow. uh, in the conflict. It is, it is not some kind of a very um, banned uh, um, methods of a warfare. As, as, uh, as Iran mentioned, the French, uh, the, the, the French, uh, they use um, um, uh, the private uh, private companies um, as a mercenaries, or they are there. There are common usage of of, of mercenaries uh, around the world, and as you see, um, they there are now some in news in the in the, in mass media that even um, now the the mercenaries from northern Syria from Afrin is. Um, as it was mentioned, are brought to Pakistan to be used some in some mm -hmm. in some activities. Wow. Um, I'm not aware in deep in depth uh, where exactly and uh, for what, but you see that this is this is some kind of um, practiced in the world. Um, and only those countries who are party to that conventions, they are bound to the to the um, to the regulations of that convention. Mm -hmm. But what I would say, uh, for example, we, we, we were trying to look um, into the uh, into those companies who are um, who are producing or parts of, of drones and to make them complicit, uh, com uh, um, to make uh, um, cases against those uh, companies uh, for the complicity in uh, in uh, in attacks 
on on civilian population on the civilian objects that's great um but this is also very very um difficult um difficult problem uh, for example in germany uh, there are some cases brought against those companies they are aware um they are very legally they are very mm. um, well protected in, in 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 that sense so it is very difficult and uh, it's it, it, it there is there is an amount of huge assistance from all sides, from the political side of Germany, of political side of our, of those countries who suffered because uh, because of attacks, um, and there is also of, of course uh, uh, there should be of course an evidence that uh, by for example by that drones or by uh, weapons um, the civilian population suffered because mm-hmm. soldiers combatants they still still may be uh, targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, during the during the armed conflict, so mm-hmm. the, the or, or there should be found only evidence on civilian population and civil and civilian objects, and there are actually evidence. Um, but the problem is connecting all that each other. It's a um, huge work which should be done uh, with very lot of lawyers, uh, experienced lawyers, uh, lawyers uh, in that area, and bring the cases. But the said is if there is no interest in that. I don't think this will happen. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is a such a such an important work that you're doing. And as a genocide scholar, I think, you know, the, your attempt to use the law as much as possible uh, to chip away at the impunity, not just of Azerbaijan but mm. also of Turkey, and whatever their aims are for that region, you know this. The case you mentioned of execution, where I think it was a younger man and an older man who were mm-hmm. executed, as you said, for being Armenian, right? For who they were. That, to me, speaks of genocidal intent. And I know, you know, and I think a lot of a lot of folks who are interested in genocide don't um, think about how how we can use other laws. It's so hard to prove genocide, right? Um, in international law, it's often avoided as a term until there are massive numbers of bodies, even though we have sort of a view into genocidal intent often in these types of atrocities that are committed um, in smaller scale wars. Um, And, you know, and I think it's avoided because it's because it's so hard to win. It's so hard to win a judgment of genocide. And yet you can use crimes like torture, humiliation, mutilation, willful killing, execution, use of banned weapons, all of these ones that you listed for us to chip away at the very impunity that is driving um, this operation of genocidal intent, right, which down the road we know if if, uh, Turkey's just given a green light. Or if Azerbaijan, with its, its, its what seems to me to be an enormous propaganda machine and a very well-funded, you know, manipulation machine worldwide, if it's allowed to continue to get away with this sort of behavior, we know where that leads. We know how quickly things can radicalize when leaders feel that they have impunity. Um, so for me, I'm really interested in, in, in this approach, right, this legal approach of bringing a case to a German prosecutor, as you said, because, um, because there is this case law already in Germany um, that exists to try these things and trying to just chip away at what, what Azerbaijan can do. Um, and then maybe what Turkey can do by using other laws other than genocide. 
Um, so that I just wanted to make that comment. Number one, praise praise you and those your colleagues for for this hard work that you're doing, and offer our support in any way we can give it. Um, but also just to point out to our listeners how important this is for the cause of genocide prevention. That that we have to we can't. Um, always expect to have a case of genocide, right, um, in, in the works, right? But we can use other legal mechanisms to get there. Well, in, in bringing, coming back to the genocide, this is, this is a, a very important genocide to think about possibilities of claiming a genocide. Mm -hmm. For example, now um, there is the one genocide case in Germany towards, uh, against uh, one um, um, ISIS member who tortured a Yazidi girl, mm -hmm. um, and uh, afterwards the Yazidi girl um, died because um, because of of the torture. Um, this is one case, only one case, and the, wow. and the guy and, and ISIS member was involved um, uh, only uh, is accused only for torturing that late that that girl wow. in a sense of of of, of killing or, or uh, psychologically destroying the Yazidi group. Um, and uh, you see that um, sometimes there is some, um, not the misinterpretation, but different ways, different approaches to the genocide, crime of genocide. Yeah. Um, at, inter at international level, of course, the institutions would uh, would not use uh, genocide genocidal man maniac uh, approach, which was once used in the ICTY. Um, but uh, as you see, uh, on the national level, they are not bound by uh, by uh, very strict uh, um, uh, lines put by ICC or by ad hoc tribunal. So they can even uh, accuse one person um, for for genocide, uh, accuse a person uh, for genocide, killing one person. Wow, I didn't even know if... that. Did you guys know that, Irena and Hoshman? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I did not know that there was this case in Germany against a single I, yeah, I of, ISIS yeah. mili militant who killed a yes, single yeah. Yazidi girl, right? Is that yeah, the... I think he was brought wow. back from uh, Greece. Wow. Yeah, I think he was yes. brought back yes, from yes, Greece. Amazing. That's the only case that... against the Yazidis so far. And uh, mm. all, uh, all the ISIS so far were tried by the Iraqi court under the law of terrorism, but, which is mm. like completely exactly. different from, different, from yeah. international criminal law. So, but, mm. I, um, you know, probably there will be, you know, there will be a court in the future, uh, but uh, we will see how it goes. And um, I, I'm sure that there are so many, inter uh, for the last six years or seven years, there are so many crimes happened in the region that are very interconnected to some reasons one to another. So uh, I think the, uh, the, the, there is a need for um, the people from the region to come together and mm. uh, to find out and to cooperate uh, on uh, different levels in order to, you know, kind of link all these uh, things together and probably they can uh, merge all these powers against what happened uh, uh, against those communities because... Um, we can see that uh, what is happening now is exactly about 100 years ago happened in the region. Uh, and uh, mm -hmm. those people who um, who suffered a lot and uh, now on the brink of extinction. So they won't be able to manage to leave another war. Uh, and, uh, you know, and uh, uh, really, uh, we can see that 
uh, from the word, the expression of words, what they say, it's uh, terrible uh, that they use the word, the word of sword, and uh, they say that what uh, our, uh, our grandparents uh, treated Armenians, we will do the same to them. So it's uh, you know these type of expressions is just uh, it's just a kind of uh, you know words used during the genocide. So it's just put needs to be in practice in some way or another. Um, but uh, hopefully, um, what we will see, what the uh, German courts, uh, uh, hopefully they can, uh, you know, investigate more and uh, will uh, set a precedent uh, for uh, many other uh, crimes occurred in the region. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, very proud of what you are doing. To, uh, it's absolutely fantastic, and uh, it's great um, you you were here today and inform us and you know, update us about all. Uh, this, um, you know, good work and uh, fantastic job uh, you have done with your colleagues. Thank you very much. Gurgen, I have a, one more question. Maybe we're out of time. Um, uh, what is it? What is now the what do you expect now from the court? Uh, well, from the prosecutor in Germany, what are the steps that will follow afterwards? Uh, well, it's uh, again very difficult, um, difficult uh, thing. I don't know uh, what uh, they will do, but what we have to do, we have to bring more evidence and update uh, every time our file uh, filings. Uh, so not not only we, but also, uh, but also the Armenian government should uh, make uh, important steps uh, towards uh, bringing the cases or informing the colleagues outside of um, of Armenia that uh, Azerbaijani war criminals are traveling around the world and they mm. were participating in mm. different actions. So this is uh, what the Armenian uh, government and the um, victims organizations maybe in the future should active, actively be involved in that in the procedures in around the uh, around the European Union or around the world to bring that cases to the to the courts. But what I think what I uh, will mention if we still have time, the German government, mm -hmm. um, even uh, there, the, I, I don't know if you have already heard, but there were some deputies who were enclosed to be uh, um, to be in a very tight connections to Azerbaijan. So yeah. they were now they are accused uh, for being corrupted and mm. uh, being uh, in a very, very, very near or very close connections to mm -hmm. Azerbaijan. Mm -hmm. Um, so you see that um, they, the Azerbaijani and Turkish lobby in, in Germany is very uh, on the, mm -hmm. is on a very high level, and uh, it was uh, very difficult to bring a resolution in Germany um, 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 for uh, for recognizing the Armenian genocide. Uh, because because of yes. the Turkish lobby and the fear that the Turkish community here will be very upset with that kind of decisions, and I can imagine that this will lead also to um, to another uh, another oppression from the Azerbaijani and Turkish community in Germany as soon as one case will be heard in, in the German court. And do you think that uh, lobby would have or could have any impact in the in the case? I don't. I cannot doubt that the German judiciary is not in the, is not independent. <laughs> but um, I, I I cannot say that uh, this will have an impact. But on political on political side, of course, this can make an uh, make an impact in the sense that uh, the Germany is outside of the conflict, um, but only involved in only involved in the in the Minsk group in somehow. 
But uh, as soon as there are some negotiations, we don't have to be involved in punishing um, the criminals because maybe it will uh, destroy the negotiations. This is always the mm -hmm. tricky part of international criminal law when you start... Uh, it yeah. happens with the case of Pinochet. You know that, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the case of yeah. Pinochet, uh, to remember everyone, is it's again open up the universal jurisdiction Chileans in, in Spain. And uh, Spanish, when uh, the Spanish court requested Pinochet, when he was in the UK, requested Pinochet to be extradited to Spain. And of course, the extradition was approved when Pinochet uh, arrived to Chile, actually. But uh, it took so long just because uh, of the political involvement of the case. So that's why I said, I, I don't doubt German courts, or maybe I do, I don't know, I haven't made my mind about that yet. But I do know that the politics, they're always involved, unfortunately, in these processes of justice, especially internationally. I, I guess we can give more, um, we can have more hope when, when we have local trials, but, uh, but it, there is also political impact in this, whether it, maybe if someone is condemned, then... When, whenever the punishment has to be applied, then there will be, of course, a uh, lack of decision in that sense. So, mm -hmm. I see. I see clear intentions of, of of Germany towards Syria. So they don't see any um, mm -hmm. any uh, um, difference between uh, if it is a from Syrian government or it is from uh, um, uh, from the rebels or uh, mm. or ISIS. So they don't they don't see any difference between mm -hmm. them. They try everyone. Wow. And I hope even in that case, uh, in in this case, this would be similar. For example, uh, nice. they have uh, lastly. Um, it was a case against an Afghani uh, Afghani soldier um, torturing Taliban's, um, mm -hmm. and he was uh, he was sentenced uh, for uh, for 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 the war crime, torture and mutilation and uh, another 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 uh, uh, charges also. But the, the 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 important thing was that this decision, the judgment was uh, uh, appealed, and during the appeal uh, phase. Um, the judges started to think if they are actually able to try a person who is a state actor, a foreign state actor. So maybe trying that person may violate the sovereignty of Afghanistan. So it's, that's, that was a very tricky moment, which could destroy all cases mm -hmm. in Germany. Interesting. Mm -hmm. jurisdiction. But uh, fortunately, we overcome overcome that problem. But what I was want, wanted also to add um, to the comment um, that uh, sometimes when we speak about genocide, uh, we have to be very very uh, clear and bring enough evidence claiming the genocide. Yeah. Um, the idea of, of genocide, of course, sometimes when we bring uh, the cases, uh, the German uh, polit polit politicians, they are always trying mm -hmm. to say, no, you know, you are overstating that, this is not true, what is happening mm -hmm. to you. Um, and this is this is a very uh, unfortunate moment that um, you, have, you have to bring really enough evidence claiming genocide. As soon as you claim genocide, you have to have that basis of, mm -hmm. of all things. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't think that we have at this moment uh, enough. Of course, we can uh, speak uh, in that direction, but I don't think this is obvious crimes against humanity. Yeah. Um, but as I said, um, um, I, 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 I have in mind that there is, of course, a genocide intent. Mm -hmm. um, and it was clear in genocide intent. But in order to bring a case on genocide, I think it's a, 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 at this moment, it's a bit mm -hmm. difficult. Mm -hmm. 
But Certainly. I don't doubt that mm-hmm. genocide, a genocide case may, might be brought uh, might might be brought in the so, future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the future. Yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. The, the, well, the, I, yeah, I see that. I see the, that intent, but it's um, it's certainly difficult. And sometimes it's, it's better to go with the, not the lower crime, because crimes against humanity is also a serious crime, but it's very serious, but uh, uh, in the sense that go for something safer, so mm-hmm. not to get rejected by the court immediately. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a, like a strategy, and uh, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I think sure. when we start thinking about these strategies in tandem, we're able to start talking about this word, using this word genocide, much more productively. You know, exactly. I think that in these international court situations, you just cannot even use the term genocide, really, unless you have, you know, tens of thousands of bodies already um, that have been killed. So really, it can't be used until it's it's too late in most international situations um, and in international law. It's just very, very difficult to talk to international legal <laughs> scholars about the crime of genocide. But if we think about, you know, if we start having these types of conversations, with that, which I think are so useful, where we recognize the evidence of genocidal intent, but Dr. Gergen, like you were saying, we recognize that we need a lot more evidence in order to bring a case of genocide, um, then we can start thinking about, you know, how do we use uh, law as a prevention mechanism over the longer term? So here we have a war where there was clear genocidal intent on one side, uh, at least amongst some soldiers. We know that, right? Where they seem to be expressing genocidal intent. This can only get worse if conflict is allowed to continue. History tells us that it only radicalizes if impunity is allowed. And and there we start building a message about genocide prevention that encourages courts to overcome whatever political manipulations or concerns they have, right, in the name of, of, of um, preventing something much larger and worse, right, in terms of its breadth. Um, down the road. So I think, I think there's a way that we could start, you know, integrating this word into our language so that we don't always get involved in definitional debates. Yeah, Certainly. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one, what, I always what, say what? that one thing is to, to talk about genocide legally, mm-hmm. and another thing is to talk about yes. genocide from exactly. a historical or sociological perspective. Yeah. And so for me, there things that are genocide, because you look at the Lemkin's definition and how the term was created and you see genocide. Mm -hmm. However, legally, then you have to have that evidence that links the intent and the actions to the consequences, right? And I think that's when we talk about genocide, we have to have that sort of differentiate. But uh, it is true that uh, the law can be very useful in the prevention. Uh, you're right, Elisa. The law can be very useful when using other other means. And it's it's not the first time. Fortunately, universal jurisdiction has been used many times, sometimes with, with a good outcome. Mm-hmm. Some others, it has been rejected. But it's a, it's a positive tool when we find mm-hmm. that small space in countries that are able and that are uh, not only able, but that are willing to open up their jurisdiction. So it's a fantastic work, work uh, Gurgen, to you and to all of the German lawyers in the German-Armenian Association, right? It's German-Armenians, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah but again um, it's from the from the legal perspective it's very difficult of course we can uh, i was always thinking what is what is the difference crimes against humanity and genocide actually mm. both are at the same level but the community uh, as as uh, genocide war genocide is so much hard that it's 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 um um it's uh, everyone um, tries to when every when when it is said by uh, the word genocide everybody is going to be like uh, frustrated okay it's genocide mm -hmm. but this is uh, something on on uh, on emotions but from yeah. from the legal perspective either crimes against humanity and genocide are actually on the same level even a war crime is on the on mm -hmm. the same level mm -hmm. so there are no uh, hierarchy between um, those uh, those crimes between each other the point is how you create a case bringing uh, legal uh, legal um, ev bringing evidence putting evidence down that uh, charges and um, yeah i said uh, i don't see any difference between uh, crimes against humanity and and, and genocide in that uh, from the legal perspective yeah from but the from legal political perspective perspe go ahead sorry i didn't no no, no. Uh, sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, no, I, I, I meant that, uh, of course, from the political, as said, from the political and from an emotional perspective, genocide is much more noise uh, in the in the in the in the in the community, um, and crimes against humanity. There is no convention on crimes against humanity, right. so actually, no one is aware about crimes against you besides yes. of the members uh, to the to the Rome Statute, and unfortunately, to the to Lauterbach. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, there is. Uh, he, mm. he, yeah, and I see. Uh, if if uh, you will, I don't know if you are aware about uh, the uh, the book of Philip Sands on East and West. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great uh, this book. Is, this is a this is a, this mm -hmm. is a great uh, example how the difference between these two mm -hmm. approaches. But again, it is very legally and yeah, mm -hmm. not uh, from the political side. It's much another yes. in, in, uh, another approach. And yeah, mm -hmm. and, I, and, and I think it's like talking about this in terms of prevention, it points out actually a third dimension. You have the legal, then you have the political, but you also have the sort of preventative. And one of the differences I would say between crimes and humanity and genocide is that if there is a significant portion of people who have genocidal intent somewhere, uh, they tend to radicalize and they tend to get worse and they tend to um, commit greater atrocities at some time down the road unless they're stopped. And so we have to have them um, in our minds. And one of the problems I see with Artsakh is that there are these indicators of genocidal intent. Maybe we can't prove it in a court of law because that's that we're sort of talking about something else when we're talking about trying somebody for genocide, right? But that those indicators of genocidal intent are not getting in the news. And that goes beyond sort of an emotional plea, right? It's that if that exists at the level of Ilham Aliyev, for example, the president of Azerbaijan, if, if students in, this is why I asked earlier about education, if students in the schools in, in Azerbaijan are being taught that Armenians are, you know, um, bugs or something, I've heard, right? Like there's, there's this yeah. really hate language used yeah. against them. If, if the idea that, that decapitating someone because they're Armenian mm -hmm you know, gains this glory, um, you know, you, you're, you're setting yourself up, like the world is setting itself up for some horrible conflagration down the road. This is what I see. 
where those sorts of things become normalized, those sorts of things become legitimized in the eyes of enough people that then we're dealing with, you know, a large-scale genocide, a holocaust, to use that term, right? Um, and, and we failed to prevent it because we failed to use the term early enough. We failed to identify those aspects of this war and these crimes against humanity that suggest a much more radical process, ideological process mm-hmm. going on. So does that make sense? So, so, so I'm, I'm seeing your work is really important in bringing light to the way that, you know, forms of genocidal intent can, can display themselves in the absence of maybe a systematic state-sponsored policy of genocide. Yep. Yeah, um, I totally agree. I'm totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I agree too. <laughs> yeah, no, certainly. No, I, I get what you're saying uh, very much, and and this conversation has been amazing. Actually, I don't think we have much more time. No, we can't. We've think, exploited Dr. Gurdjieff already. <laughs> but I think, but I think it's true that radicalization that you're talking about. I don't know if that radicalization of objectification or dehumanization of people exists in crimes against humanity. Um, mm-hmm. It it is. A, typical characteristic of genocide yeah. and I think by by at least saying this is crimes against humanity but it could lead to genocide in the yes. future uh, to raise a red flag uh, to try to stop uh, 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 like you said a, a mass a mass atrocity even bigger than the one we're suffering at the moment in 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 many countries actually mm-hmm. in Myanmar in Bangladesh with the Rohingya that left Myanmar to go to Bangladesh and the, all of the countries that we keep on mentioning, unfortunately, and even in the past. So um, I think these trials are also a good way. And I always like to say this to establish some sort of truth, you know, mm-hmm. to start digging into what actually happened. And so I think we can use the law in many ways, yeah. in many, many, many positive ways, certainly. Absolutely. Thank you, yeah, and Dr. Petrosian is sort of he's 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 what is setting the stage, right? And sort of yeah. blazing a path forward. It's really exciting. Is there any last word you want to give our listeners? How can we support you and your work? Uh, well, I think uh, the only way to raise awareness uh, about the crimes um, that one day these crimes uh, will be will be heard before the court and anywhere. Said in U.S., uh, um, in in Argentina, or even in Iraq, uh, or um, somewhere. I this this is important that um, the impu- there there should be no impunity for for the international yes. crimes. This is definitely yeah yes. Wonderful. That's, that's well, Dr. A that's a great yeah. ending. And Dr. Petrosian, yeah, I hope you'll come join us again. I hope you'll come on our I, podcast I, uh, again. <laughs> uh, one one last word. I'm not sure whether. <laughs> Uh, the law of uh, ATS, alien statue in the United States, will help them uh, for the companies. But uh, yeah. probably you can. The yeah, Alien hopefully... Torts Act, you mean? Yes, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Interesting law. Yeah, <laughs> we ho- can talk yeah about hopefully that time. will, yeah, for, especially for the non state actors and the companies you were mentioning. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should be. talk to some um, US lawyers. That's very interesting law, yeah. actually. Yeah. Well, maybe our next podcast. <laughs> go ahead, Dr. Petrosian, please. Yes, go ahead. Uh, well, I, I remember that uh, the community, uh, Namibian community in in uh, in US, brought a case against Germany for genocide, 
and uh, for not uh, rep uh, making reparations uh, for genocide. And I think it was in New York, and the case was then appealed uh, to the higher court. But uh, yeah, of course, it was uh, it was not uh, successful. But even bringing this kind of case make make so much awareness what exactly is happening and what the community needs. Uh, um, um, uh, this is this I, I I'm always uh, admiring how the Rohingya um, um, Rohingya people made a real noise uh, around the world we've we've discussed it with iran in our mm -hmm. in, in our last session that they brought a case in in uh, in, uh, in international court of justice they brought a case mm -hmm. in, in icc they made an application in argentina and that was all, almost on the same time so the the world could really understand what exactly is going on uh, to the ringa uh, to the ringa uh, people and I, and I think that uh, we I actually, all nations should use this kind of uh, mechanism to bring uh, to bring justice and to make uh, a really awareness of what is going on. Well, there are so many countries suffering from international crimes around the world, but uh, we are concentrating um, all the mass media is concentrating only on several of them, mm -hmm. unfortunately. And I think that um, this uh, will end some some day, and the impunity will really, uh, yeah. And yep. there will be really justice for everyone. Yes, mm -hmm. certainly. Yeah, one, one we hope so. Uh, this, yeah, well, one thing that was uh, um, at this time and uh, of the year and probably for the last couple of years, uh, politics was um, uh, on the side of the um, Uyghurs in, in China. So for some reasons, they, you know, but for now, I think politics on the side of Azerbaijan and Turkey. So things are getting really difficult. You have to strive really much harder to get all these uh, messages across. But I'm sure that um, with uh, all these um, great guys, uh, something will <laughs> stop uh, stop these people from doing what they are doing. And uh, hopefully that um, with, uh, uh, with the assistance of everyone's um, make a rise, uh, raise the awareness of what's happening in the yeah. region. So, yeah, yeah, see, Dr. Petrosian, we can't let you go. We're so excited yes. to be talking yeah. I'm happy, with you. I'm happy to stay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we that have to have great. another yeah. episode. We're going to schedule it. Absolutely. So those of you listening, we will definitely be back with Dr. Petrosian uh, to talk more about the laws of genocide, the war in Artsakh, and the future of um, of peace, really, in the world, um, and the fight against impunity. Anyway, Dr. Petrosian, let us thank you so much for your thank you. yeah for coming Absolutely. to thank our podcast. Absolutely, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for speaking with you. us. We wish you all the best in your work as you go forward. I know yeah. that uh, Irena is is working also on this these cases, and um, you know, and so we will be helpful in any way that we can. Thank you very much. We'll follow thank up for sure. Much. And thanks to all of our listeners for listening yes. today. We are the Anti-Genocide Coffee Break, a multinational podcast, and we're signing off. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.